Hello and welcome to The Dirt, in association with the DC Thompson Shop. This is the podcast that doesn't want to squash your gardening dreams. I'm Emily, Senior Content Creator for Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Sophie, Grow Your Own's content writer. On today's episode, we'll be discussing lazy gardening, the history behind cottage gardens and how gardening has grown in popularity since the first lockdown. But first, we're chatting to Dominica McEvitt, head gardener at Ardgill and Castle. Hello, Dominica. Hello, how are you? Yeah, we're good, thank you. Yeah, good, hello. Thank you for joining us. Lovely for you to ask me. To join. <laughs> oh. So, Dominica, can you tell us a little bit about your gardening career? When we were children, we actually moved out the country, back out to where my mother would have been, her home place. We moved out the country when I was about seven. So then we were outside much more. And I started gardening then when I was about maybe eight. And I would have gotten a little patch of my own when I was about nine. And then even, you know, when I was still at primary school, I knew I wanted to do horticulture and I knew I wanted to be a gardener. Oh, wow. And yeah, I went to horticultural college then straight from, from secondary school. And I have a diploma in horticulture. And then I worked actually in one of them like motorway kind of planting jobs first and then I got a job in what was Dublin County Council then, which is now Fingal County Council, and oh. I work in Arden Castle. And I've been working here for the last 30 years. Wow, that's amazing. That is. You've definitely had a passion for it ever since you were yay high, as they oh, start yeah. very quickly. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we're just going to kick right off into it. I mean, we'd love to know about your um, success stories on in the garden, on the plot, obviously at, at work. What would you say your big successes on the garden are? Well, at work, we have um, we're gardening a wall garden that's been there for like 300 years. So the, the soil is actually very good. And we would add manure on that, a family manure as well. And um, so actually everything grows really well. Like even the lettuce grows to a very big size and um, the cabbage and that, everything grows mm, like quite big. And then over the years, we've had times when we've had like really giant pumpkins Oh. And even outside, we've managed to get like like yellow tomatoes and that that grew quite well outside. Um, we also like with herbs and stuff, we're quite mild, so we grow the pineapple sage would would come through the winter with us, and the lemon verbena would come through the winter with us, and uh, even stevia has come through the winter with us oh, sometimes right. as well. But um, then other things like. We'll say peppers and aubergines and things you have to really have in a glass house. So we do, we're trying them. We've got a new glass house this year and we're trying them okay. this year. Oh, lovely. Now, we're quite successful. We've had apricots outside before and we have actually a good crop of peaches outside this year. Okay. We actually at work, there's, um, at our Gillen Castle, there is a, a long, there's a 20 alcove wall, which would have been built during the famine, which is purpose built for the growing of fruit. Oh, wow. And it's got alcoves in it, as I said, it's, it's, it's alcoves in it, it's facing full south and it's and it's painted, it's rendered white to reflect the, the sun. So that's where we have the peaches and the apricots and that kind of thing. And we have, uh, we're after getting the goji berries to, to fruit there last year as well. The one we had before that didn't fruit, but we have a new one now and it fruit oh. last year. Brilliant. Oh, that's um, a bit different too, isn't it? It's nice to have a mix of different things. Oh, yeah, we try to have a mix of, yeah, we try to have a mix of different things. And the other, the, um, them Faisalis, you know, the um, Cape Gooseberries? Oh, yes. Um, mm. 
we had those, they were after coming through the winter with us. So we have them fruiting already this year because they've come through the winter. Oh, as lovely. In the ground, like, that was in outside like as well. As well. Do you have any um, particular varieties? I know you, so you grow a wide range of crops. Are there any particular varieties that have done well for you? Um, well, lettuce, we grow a wide range of varieties. So we'd, we'd have the, like the oak leaf salad bowl and the uh, loose leaf salad bowl and the iceberg, like the Webb's Wonder. And we had Ida Red, they had this year's very red one. And um, we'd have the Lala Ross. So we'd have, we usually put in about six different varieties of lettuce and then we put them in triangles and have them like ornamentally planted. Sort oh, of. lovely. Oh, brilliant, yeah. And uh, the same then with the cabbage, we'd have the ruby ball and um, greyhound cabbage and the we had um, Hercules, I think it was a giant one we got last year from England, but of course we're not going to be able to get seed from England now, so we couldn't get it this year. But so I just had the last few seeds um, from last year. And that was like a giant round cabbage, but like like giant beans the size of the <laughs> You know, the wheel of the car, like, it's, it was really giant, like. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, and you do things wrong sometimes, because I planted that in the side of the garden that was the most, the, the be the dampest kind of, but it faced away from the path, so you couldn't really notice that it was big, because it was facing <laughs> away from the path, you know. Well, if I had to put it the sunnier side, but I was giving it more moisture for the cabbage, like, and ah. if I had to put it the faced the path so I put it the sunnier side this year so but anyway as I say I won't be able to get seed now because I was trying you know just to have a novelty to have a few kind of giant things now we'd have the big tall runner beans and things like that as well we didn't actually we never got a kiwi to fruit now I've seen kiwis fruit like further north in Ireland than than us but yeah I didn't get kiwi to fruit now And I had an avocado in, a, in the glass house. We never got the fruit. Oh, before. oh that's a tricky one. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah, just trying to know. I don't know why the avocado needs a partner. Needs a, you know, needs another plant. Um, but, uh, yeah. No, we have no problem getting figs. Like, we have figs outside um, all the time. And, and um, oh, the mulberries. And, them, like, we have mulberries as well and cherries. and Ooh, lovely. All of them, sort of. We put the sour things, sorry, we put the, the fruit that doesn't need to be sweetened on the north wall. Because, you know, when you have a south wall, you have a corresponding north wall behind it. Yeah. And we put um, all the green gauges and the morello cherries and things like that seem to do okay on the north wall. Okay. Oh, brilliant. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of good things going on there. I mean, it sounds very successful as it is, obviously. Um, sometimes when we're trying these things and certain things aren't working out, um, we do come across a few clumsy mistakes or minor failures that we learn from. Um, now, what would you say has been your biggest mistake on the plot? What kind of failures have you come across um, during your time gardening? Well, you chance things, like you do things that you sort of no maybe won't work like but you're just chancing them like the same as planting aubergines outside or planting peppers outside when we didn't have glass houses which you kind of the the, chi- the chili peppers actually you might get some outside to yeah. fruit like you might get some fruit outside but the or the other peppers the sweet peppers they wouldn't really fruit outside at all but you know i'd be always trying to just chance sticking in a few and hope for the best like, <laughs> yeah you never know um, yeah. Now the other thing, not so much at work, because at work we'd have a rotation and we'd write down what we plant and all that. But sometimes when I'm at home and I'm just dropping in a few seeds, I um, I I'd only be down home at the weekends, and then when I'd come back the next weekend, I think I'd I'd always say, 
oh, I just sold them. I'll remember what I sold, you know. <laughs> then you go back next week and say, what did I sell? What did yeah. I sell? Especially <laughs> if I, if I, I'd be trying to maybe use up the end of old packets of seed and they mightn't come up. Like if they came up kind of straight away, like you you nearly know what the way it wants to come up anyway. But sometimes then when, as I say, I might be trying old seed and maybe they don't come up or they only come up a little bit. And um, I'd be saying, I'd be kicking myself then, like, why did I plant the old seed? Because you're wasting the, you know, a couple of weeks while you were waiting for them to come up and <laughs> they didn't come up. And then, as I say, you forget what you sowed and you'd say, oh, why didn't I write out what I sowed, you know? But I keep, <laughs> and I, I definitely remember this time and, and I'd do it again, like, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I know, that's, uh, but I think people have to remember, like, I'd be always thinking of, you know, gardeners, people starting out. And, you know, like, if something fails, this, they're kind of put off. Yeah. They think, oh, I haven't green fingers or I haven't, I'm not a good gardener or whatever. And, to me, there's no such thing as green fingers. To me, it's an acquired art. I mean, yeah. I think you can learn. It's a learned thing you can learn. And I know some of us grew up with it, do you know what I mean? So I grew up gardening, do you know what I mean? We've, I've been gardening. I've had a patch of my own since I was probably about nine, like, you know what I mean? Oh, I've wow. Yeah. Always <laughs> and And I think it's strange when people don't know ordinary things like crocuses or something, because there were just words to me they weren't like knowing it and you know what I mean there was mm. like we we like we were just we just grew up outside you know what I mean but um yeah I think for people starting off if something fails like that because you could have a yeah, like I bought a packet of a, a green butterhead lettuce last year and it came out red oh, oh. <laughs> it wasn't green at all like and I was actually talking to somebody else and like some visitors that we were open to the public so visitors come in and they said something because I had no label on the lettuce and they said I had no labels on the lettuce what was that and I said well I couldn't label it because the label says it's all your round green lettuce but it isn't it's red so <laughs> that's strange yeah. it, like, you know what I mean and like even the professionals make mistakes like I mean I've equally bought carrots and they ended up fennel oh wow <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like oh, so, no. like, but I think I, people who are starting out, they have to be like not put off by something not going right. Like the same as even I mean the, the beetroot I sowed the other day. I think I had two thousand and twenty-three on it, and it didn't grow oh, for the date. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. And uh, but I think you know the rest of us kind of think, oh, that didn't grow, and just just sow it again, like or do it again. Do you know what I mean? Like we don't we don't concentrate, or we don't notice nearly that the things don't work we just get on with it and do it again or yeah. whatever like you know accepting that uh, it's not completely within your control you just got to make the best of it you know yeah yeah well I mean when I was starting out as a garden like we planted the gardens in 92 and there was a man here which was near retiring age he was my boss like and one of the plants died in the garden we were after planting it was a flower it was actually I know exactly what it was a lavatier it was a, a flower and it, you know and he said I said the plant died. Why did it die? And he's like, he said, the plants, he said, it's like people, he said, people die. He said, but you're at least the plant's only a plant, it's not a person. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, it's right, it's only a plant, it's not a person. He said, like, they just die. Like, you're not going to always know why they die. You know, they just, just die, like, you know. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, I was that it died. You know what I mean? Kind of like, like, I, and this is what he said. I thought, okay, yeah, you know, you just, but you just, like, get on with it and, and, yeah, do something else or something else would be good and something else might be so good one year and, yeah. you know, you just, uh, 
Yeah, you just, I mean, I know a bit of knowledge is good because you, you know, you know, you know what to put in the sunny spot or what to put in the shady, you know, kind of. It's a good way of looking at things, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what would you say, um, obviously you've been gardening for a long time, so do you have any um, little hacks or shortcuts that you could share with our listeners? Yeah, well, the most thing, I, one of the things I, I definitely do is I don't, like people sow, sometimes they sow things in seed trays and then they're pricking them out into pots and they're, you know, even like lettuce or even like cabbage or even, you know, or any of the vegetables sort of. And I usually, the lettuce or cabbage, I have trays that have like 24 holes. and they're very handy. They're only about a foot by 18 inches of 24 seg- segments in it. So I just sow one seed in each. And if you have new seed, they'll all come up. You know, as mm-hmm. I say, if you're trying old seed, then they might not come up. Mm-hmm. But, and then I just, when they grow to, you know, if, if kind of little plant size then I plant them I, I plant them straight out in the garden and if you let them get a wee bit bigger you probably have less need for like slug protection or that and then even with um, with things I think that, like the germination mightn't be as good like celery or celerac or maybe well leeks the germination be good enough I sow them kind of thinly in a, in a seed tray oh, right. and then I don't I don't actually uh prick them out now celery you have to remember you don't cover the seed um and sometimes the back of the packet say you do but you don't <laughs> and um the then i when they get to a bit you know about to two inches or three inches or whatever i i actually i just lift them and divide them all up bare root and plant them just plant them straight into the garden okay mm-hmm. and then the leeks i plant them i kind of dig a hole and i put them at the bottom of the hole and then when they grow a bit bigger, I fill in the hole oh. so that you get the white part. Okay. And the same with potatoes. I I dig a hole and I plant them at the bottom of the hole. And then as they grow, when they grow taller, I fill in the hole. Okay. Um, because we don't, you know, we generally don't go to the trouble of making drills because we have, it's kind of like pottery, so it's it's all inside box hedges. So now the, the patches inside the box hedges, like the triangles are, like once to be about eight meters by eight meter triangle with the long side then uh, as well. So they're big enough, but at the same time, you know, for making drills and stuff, they're a wee bit awkward. And then the pints get shorter on that, you know. So I generally, anyway, I think it's just too much like work. Um, making drills. So generally, we don't make drills. We just put the manure on top of the ground in the winter, and then we rotate it in, and then we just rake it off and so on. So you also need to sow. Um, you rake the bed immediately you rake the bed the day you're going to sow it do you know what I mean so yeah. even if you were sort of it a while ago or whatever you rake it and then you plant it or you rake it and then you sow it and then if you do that exactly at the same time then the seed should come up before the weeds you know what I mean the, the, the plants like the seed should should germinate and come up and emerge over the ground before the weeds if you do it if you rake it just exactly at the same time and um, the other thing even with cucumbers or Cogettes are bigger things. Like I put them in a pack with just six segments and I just pl- sow one seed in each of the six like you'd buy bedding plants in. And I then I plant them straight out into the garden as well. Like I don't go potting up stuff yeah. okay. at all really, you know what I mean? Because I just wouldn't have time. Yeah, that's it. It's about being efficient and doing things sort of in the time that you have, but as effectively as you possibly can. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And um, now, if you if you've learned one thing um, in all of the time of your gardening, uh, 
what would you say it is? What would you pass on to everybody listening? Oh, well, the same as that, like raking it just before you sow it. And then once the seeds emerge, as I say, before the weeds, once the seeds emerge, you have to, um, you hoe it. Once you see the seeds up and once you can see the lines, do you know where the lines are? You hoe between the lines. You hoe, you hoe. I have a, pl- a tool called a swow and it's more like a golf stick. It's not like... But it's um, I so I hold I hold between the lines, and then there's one short end on it, so you can like when like if there were onion sets or something that was a wee bit bigger, you can actually there's just about an inch of a side on it. All right. And you can go between the plants as well, kind of. Oh, right. The closer you get the plants, then the less hand weeding you have to do. So, but I definitely I hold between the lines once I can see them, and then every two weeks. Oh. So you should be then before the weeds come up. Because if you're hoeing when the weeds are up, you really need a dry day um, for the weeds to die. Otherwise, they just jump back in the ground. So it's much better to to hoe every two weeks before the weeds come up. Ah. And then walking on it, like if you you know you have to walk into bed to hoe it. You don't leave your footprints. You hoe out your footprints because your footprints can get hard. Okay. So when you finish the bed, you hoe out your footprints. So when I walk away from a bed, there should be no footprints in the bed. Oh, okay and I think we're all a little bit guilty of that you know sort of leaning across and leaving a leaving a mark in the soil but as a child my mother would say oh, don't be walking on it don't be walking on it you make it hard you make it hard so yeah. I walk on it and then I um but then there'll always be footprints so I always hoe out the footprints and then even when I'm raking in the seed like I hoe out the footprints first and then I rake in the seed and then I rake out the footprints okay. and then, because uh, it doesn't make it hard, it makes it softer. Because you need, you know, a little bit of like two inches or whatever at the top to hold. You know, you nice, make it nice and laced and, and loose and easy to hold. You know, mm-hmm. that uh, now we hold around everything. We hold. We don't use. We don't use weed killers in the park anymore. Like we have a hundred eighty four acre park and about eight acres of gardens, and we don't use weed killers anymore at all. Like we actually hold the rose garden. We have about an acre of a rose garden. Wow. And we hold the rose garden um, every, we hold it every two weeks. Everything has to get hold every two weeks. Like this week is actually what we call hoeing week. Oh. So anything that doesn't have, we put back mulch on some stuff, on some plants if they're mature and they're, you know, well established. Now you can't put back on roses, but on everything else, on whatever shrubs or stuff we have bark on, on some of it. But whatever hasn't bark has to get hold. So the vegetable garden has to get hold, the herb garden has to get hold, the rose garden has to get hold. Some of um, a new garden we have, we have a national co- collection of potentellas, but the border of it has like ornamentals in it that we only put in in the last few years. And um, anything in new beds like has to get hold, kind of, or the mm. daily beds have to get hold. And, it's, and I always plant in lines, even if you're planting, you know, like wildflower seeds, annual flower seeds, you know, and they say disperse them over the bed never disperse them over the bed because then you don't know what's weeds and what's plants yeah when when they come up you don't know what's weeds and what's plants so you hold the you plant them in lines and then you can hold between the lines even if the lines are quite close together this hoe i have as i say go sideways so go on a really about two inch strip you hold between the lines once they come up you have less weeds and then the lines all join together when they get bigger anyway and you don't know that you sow them in lines yeah that's true sow them in lines because otherwise you won't know like at least you can run the whole through them for a couple of times when they're small yeah. to get the plants ahead of the weeds, um, to let the plants go ahead of the weeds. But uh, yeah, no, no, I never 
despairs I never never happens grass seed is the only thing I saw like that <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. everything else comes in life yeah well thank you very much for your for your brilliant answers it's been really lovely to chat to you we'll uh, move on to our team chat yeah off we go okay DC Thompson Shop has a wide range of garden plants, accessories and gifts. Save up to 50% with many collections. For a garden that takes care of itself with effortless, low maintenance plants, the shop has lots of popular bulbs, bedding plants and ground cover perennials too. For real garden enthusiasts, there is a choice of more unusual varieties. However green your fingers, there is something for everyone. Visit dcthompsonshop.co.uk and place your order today. Hello everyone, how are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I've actually got a story I'd like to share with you both to start Mm. with today. Fire away. Yeah, well, um, I've been looking on the BBC's website and they've got a really interesting article. It's a bit of a history lesson really. Um, And it's titled the Irish gardening hothead who made the English go wild, (laughs) which sounds like a story of a bit of conflict, (laughs) but it's actually um, got a lot of gardening involved. And it's about how um, William Robinson, who was an Irish gardener, um, actually introduced the idea of the cottage garden that that so many of our readers and and us, I suppose, as well, like do follow today. The idea of having mm. a wild, carefree, natural garden, everything mixed and matched. It's good for the wildlife, mm. and um, and it's all about how he overcame his own class boundary. So he started off from quite humble backgrounds, and he rose sort of up. He worked on an estate, did his training, mm. which actually had quite a strange ending to his training there. And it's what they call horticultural vandalism oh so yeah he left in a rage apparently um and left the greenhouses open (gasps) overnight everything died of frost and he put all the fires out so and this was in um in the 1800s so this was quite a long time ago so obviously the fires not being there was a massive detriment it's like the ultimate form of gardening revenge i'm gonna leave all your greenhouse doors open and i'm gonna walk away (laughs) what a dramatic it's also you know you've you've got to appreciate it it's quite a good (laughs) dramatic move isn't it yeah he got what he wanted there's He's in history now. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, they still love him there today. I mean, yeah. they've got beers named after him, I think, at that stage. <laughs> wow. so, so, yeah, it's um, it, you know, and then he moved to England shortly afterwards. So he, he definitely wasn't cool <laughs> in a hurry. And if you're looking for a horticultural rebel, there you go. There yeah. you are. Yeah, in- inspiring. Yes, gardeners are. I think are seen as a quite a, a meek and mild bunch, but you you know you get yeah. your odd feisty gardener now and again. I yeah. suppose. Uh, so now, what I would love to know is anybody who's listening, what has been your rebellious garden moment? Yes, I want Ooh. to know. We want some <gasps> rebels without a cause to contact us. Well, one, one <laughs> rebels with a cause. I know my my neighbours won't be listening to this, but like, can you, you be sure? <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't think they're on state of technology, bless them. But I have been known to like cheekily like chuck a little snail over the fence <laughs> <laughs> and just like, oh, it's your problem now. 
oh. <laughs> forcing trespass. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, I don't want to like, you know, I don't do any harm to them, but I might just like put them on a leaf and like on their side of the guard if I know they're not watching. I do a little sneaky, you know. <laughs> You're oh. their problem now. Yeah, <laughs> be yeah. gone. This is not gone. an Emily problem anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, see, uh, maybe I'm more on self-sabotage. I have a little weed patch in the corner of my garden and I tend to move snails to the weed patch. But then, <laughs> obviously, they can just go back where they want. Yeah. Also, like a holiday for them. <laughs> I know it's not really appropriate to say it, but like, I really like snails. I just think they're really yeah, cute. Yeah, I know. I was sorting my garden out the other day and like, I just, I, was pick, I picked a tiny one up and I was just like studying it for ages. I, I don't know. I just think they're Are cute. we more judgmental of slugs? Yeah, because they, they don't carry the house around. Yeah, they're you know then then lots of get lucky on the look side of it. Some of those snail shells are so intricate and pretty, yeah. whereas a slug is just slimy and it's just that's long, about it. long, isn't it? Yeah, it is an absolute dread for anyone going for a walk with me when it starts raining because you know how all the snails come out when mm. it starts raining. And I'm the person on the walk that moves them all off of the path and into Aww. the like side verge. <laughs> yeah. I think people in the local area must think, oh, what is she doing? What is that person doing? <laughs> no, it's nice. I mean, you've got to dig a bit for the, for nature, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, we actually rescued, my boyfriend and I, we, we mes- rescued a bee um, from, we were rowing, we were, we were rowing down a little... A river we did had a little rowing day <laughs> in a little rowing boat. You're so cute. How many times can you say rowing in one sentence? And there was a little, we just, we just were, we were sort of going along and we just saw something sticking out of the water. It was a massive bumblebee and it Aww. was, his poor little legs were flailing around and it was such a dramatic couple of minutes because <laughs> <laughs> I was like demanding that my boyfriend like row, row, row towards the, the bee and then we kind of went too far thought we trampled over it with the boat and I was like we've, we've killed it we've killed it and then it came up again um we got it on like a reed like a, like a bit of weed sticking out of the water and just like dragged it to the bank and he got off and he was all right Aww. and well, this is and a lovely in, story honestly it was so exciting and, and and we thought oh we've done our bit today and you know he was all a bit wet and and bedraggled but he seemed okay so and then we had to do we just rode on that's so nice also that story had everything it had peril yes yeah it had a moment where you didn't know if things had quite gone to plan and then the happy ending (laughs) there was a full plot line and then you rode off into the scenic (laughs) view at the end i can imagine at the start of the story i just had visions of sophie giving this tiny little bee mouth to mouth (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's probably the next thing that's gonna happen but maybe that's part of like well maybe not with the bee obviously because they are clearly gardens friends but the whole like liking of slugs thing is a little bit of a garden rebellion act in a, in a in a sense because we're all sort of like geared up to sort of think oh bloody snug slugs and snails and things like that but yeah actually they can be cute they can mm. they can talk to us again in a couple of months <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like the first hot day of the year so far and it's like oh. <laughs> we were so optimistic uh, I mean, garden is the garden. Gardening is the ultimate act of optimism, really. Yeah, isn't it? Mm-hmm. that's true. That's true. Um, so I saw a story on the Guardian that had been written by Jenny Eclair, and it spoke to me like no gardening story ever has before. <laughs> and I shall tell you for why. <laughs> the title of it is "You Can Be a Great Gardener Without Lifting a Finger." Just ask my friends on Twitter. And it's basically about um, people who try really hard and research loads and put a lot into their garden. And then the 
optimistic slash lazy types, depending on how you want to look at it, who just sling a thing in and see how it goes. And her specific example is tulip bulbs. Okay. Um, and whether once they've died back, you take them out of the soil and store them mm. somewhere and look after them until you can replant them next year, or whether you just leave them where they are and they'll <laughs> sprout again on their own. So would you two say that you are diligent gardeners or do you have your lazy gardening moments? Yeah, well, I'm kind of a bit of both. To be yeah. honest, it depends on what it is. I mean, my chili plants are the most pampered plants in the world. <laughs> yeah. it, but also, I am lazy because the reason they're pampered is because they're on my kitchen windowsill. So I go <laughs> to the kitchen windowsill regularly on a daily basis. And therefore, yeah. I just think, oh, I'll just hamper the flowers or oh, just give them a water. It's mm-hmm. easy to pamper a plant when it's within touching distance yeah. a lot of the time. Whereas, like, my outdoor plants are very much just left to fend for themselves. And yeah. yeah. That's about it. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Uh, I'd, I'd say I'm quite a a non-lazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> quite an active gardener. In But in the same sense, a lot of my seedlings and things are still inside in my yeah. bedroom, actually. Oh. Um, so it's the warmest room of the house. So everything's been thriving pretty much. I sort of move things across every, every day <laughs> to the windowsill and then back again. Um, but saying that, last year I'd grown some radishes and obviously hadn't even properly harvested them because this year my mum my mum was sort of digging around and she just she found an old like a like shriveled up thing in the thing and she sent it to me and she said, I'm so sorry, I, I think I've disturbed something. And I said, No, 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 that was from last year. You've, you've that's a good find yeah. there. And I don't know whether it was a new a seed that had sort of laid dormant or whether it had just stayed there the whole time. But yeah. it was a new it was a new looking radish. Really? So, yeah, yeah. How weird. Um, I say shriveled, the leaves were shriveled, but the actual radish was they do store quite well in the ground, yeah, though, don't they? So maybe I'm that's wondering. what it was. The best lazy gardening radish tip is to not harvest your radishes and then let them set their seed pods and then eat the seed pods. Mm. Oh, yeah. I've, always, I've never tried them, but I've always been told I should that they're lovely. That. Yeah. yeah. I love anything where it's like, just leave it and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. That's my favourite. Yeah. It is uh, low, low effort things are even more like, wow, because... They're doing their own thing completely. Yeah. Well, mostly. Yeah. And also, as cheesy as this sounds, you get to see a bit of the life cycle of plants that you don't normally get yeah, to see. Yeah, that's true. Like if you're trying to do everything perfectly and keep everything neat, you can miss out on some of the... And I think if yeah. you get too focused on, like say, looking after things perfectly, you do sort of lose a sense of the fact that they are plants like even I've seen like tomato plants like growing out of like gutters and stuff before and it's like if they want to grow they will grow and it doesn't actually they don't need perfect conditions you don't need to spend even a load of money on fancy equipment and soil and all sorts like just do the basics and yeah it will happen for you exactly um also I do think there's a lot to be said for um giving yourself a bit of time just to enjoy your time outside yeah because don't get me wrong obviously the actual act of gardening is really really enjoyable in of itself but I think sometimes you can get so caught up in is this what I'm supposed to Mm. be doing am Mm. I is what do I need to be doing exactly at this at this time but sometimes to think oh actually it doesn't matter it's a little bit of an experiment if I haven't done it quite by the book we'll see what happens yeah yeah that's it yeah no it makes sense it's a nicer a nice alternative way of looking at it isn't it yeah definitely yeah 
Um, for my story this week, well, I say it's a story. I, I got the inspiration because I saw a little um, piece on the Times about um, how gardening um, became cool and um, the rising influences of Instagram and things like that. And But it has, I think gardening has seen quite a turnaround in, you know, even the last sort of five to ten years in terms of young people's attitudes yeah. towards yeah. it. 100%. And what people think is achievable as well, I think, mm-hmm. has been changed quite a lot. So I was going to ask you both, are there any influences that you think have made a real impact on that sort of rise of the fame of gardening at all in the in recent years? Oh, so many. There's lots and lots and lots. I mean, oh my goodness. lots of previous guests on the dirt mm, as well yeah. who are brilliant influences online. Yeah. And I, I think it's as well the fact that you're seeing so many different people who have different lifestyles different setups some are using their gardens some are using allotments some are using both some have got full-time jobs some have got families some have got full-time jobs and family like and it's Mm. just seeing it's almost like being able to see somebody who's a little bit more representative of who you are yeah yeah and showing what they can do exactly and there's a lot of um people getting children involved Mm. as well I know five minute gardener Mm. on Instagram's brilliant and the good life yeah. ain't easy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in terms of sort of bigger celebrities and things like that, I I do enjoy Joe Lysett's stories. That infrequently he posts. Yes. I mean, they're a bit on the rude side in terms of what he said and how he what he nicknames his plants. But I do find it <laughs> highly hilarious. And it's just, you know, sometimes I think people can see gardening as sort of more of a, you know, <laughs> uh, what's the word for it? You know, a little, a little bit more. Um, understated and you know on the polite side and I just really enjoy that he just lets his personality come out in in his (laughs) gardening and what he likes to show off absolutely (laughs) and I mean if by some absolute fluke you're listening Joe yeah please come on the pod Joe Lysett please come on the pod and then please can we come and do a garden tour version of Travel Man yes oh yeah so much yes oh (laughs) I love that man I do think though that it is showing that probably not so much now but there used to definitely be a stereotype of oh gardening is for a certain type of person yeah. it's a bit serious and you have to be really mm. you know serious good use of the same yeah. word over and over again <laughs> um but actually showing that you don't have to take it too seriously you don't have to be in a certain age demographic like oh. you can mm. just get involved and I think I know we've talked about this until the cows come home, so I won't go into it again. But also the fact that we had had the lockdowns and things that meant that a lot more people got exposure to gardening by it being the only place they could go. Yeah, And I think um, people really started to see the value of Mm. it. And I think also um, the whole thing of, again, sounds really cheesy, but you look at a tiny little seed... And then the fact that that tiny little seed can then feed you a whole summer of tomatoes. There's something sort of amazing about that. Mm. And I mean, I think for me, I'm a very outdoors. I like being outdoors more. But um, also I'm just incredibly greedy. So I mean, the (laughs) fact that you can grow things and then that's like your dinner. Great. Yeah. 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 And the magic of as someone who was raised on vegetables that mainly came from a supermarket, getting those first tastes of homegrown harvests and how much better food can taste, really taste from that. Like 
was just a magical thing really and I'm a keen cook at home anyway so it just made me think oh my goodness like how much more can I do with my cooking if I'm using fresh produce like this Mm -hmm. so yeah it goes hand in hand with that I'd say yeah absolutely enhanced dishes (laughs) nothing like harvesting seasons (laughs) (laughs) um anyway Emily I think Sophie and I had better get back to some magazine work but I believe you have some jobs on the plot for us yes I do prune the canes of summer fruiting raspberries that have already been harvested cutting them down to ground level keep harvesting your summer sown quick maturing veg crops such as radishes will taste better when they are smaller Keep an eye on temperatures in greenhouses and shut vents in the evening as the heat dips. Weed veg beds thoroughly to stop these plants from competing with your crops for water and light. Enjoy the week ahead and until next time, happy growing! Thank you for listening to this series of The Dirt. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for free so you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the word to your plot neighbours. Plus, we have an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for listeners of The Dirt. All you need to do is visit growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash GYO52. That's GYO and the number 52. Or call 0800 904 7000 and quote GYO52 to receive three issues for just £5. That's a saving of a whopping 76%. Every issue of Grow Your Own is packed with gardening advice, expert tips and tricks, and jobs to tick off your list. And each magazine comes with a wonderful bonus gift, such as selections of seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And on a final exciting note, remember to get in touch if you or any of your gardening friends have some great stories of successes and fails on the plot. You could be a guest on the next series.